0: Greetings comrades and welcome back to another episode of the Comrade Cast. And let me take some time to apologize for my absence over the last couple of weeks. I have been incredibly sick. I don't know what happened, but over the last 10 days I came down with some kind of awful flu and it was like a bunch of like weird symptoms all mixed together like I had a horrible cough, sore throat, fever and chills combined with like nausea and constant aching just a whole bunch of weird things and total like brain fog like absolute complete brain fog barely able to bring coherent thoughts together in my own head i thought for sure it was a covid strain or something because i still have lost my sense of smell still can barely smell anything but i took a, a test and it said it was negative so i guess it wasn't covid either way it just completely dumpstered me for the last week and a bit there and I'm still not quite 100% recovered. I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm still a little bit congested. Still got a little bit of a sore throat and a cough that just won't go away. But I'm now well enough to get my sorry ass in front of a camera so we can finally continue the podcast. But unfortunately, it's that time of year, the time of year where I'm convinced it's thanks to my kids, we will get sick at least once a month or me or my wife will get sick at least once a month until april but to this year the sixth season decided to start off with a bang at least for me so there's a lot i want to get to in this episode i don't know how far i'm gonna get i'm not gonna promise a double header because every time i promise something like that for whatever reason i'm just not able to get it across the finish line i had a whole episode that i planned shot everything but i didn't edit it because i was just getting sick at the time when it was time to sit down and edit. And I'm like sitting there staring at my editing program and my head is just swirling all these weird, crazy thoughts. And I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I can't do this right now. This, so this episode is going to be by large salvaging most of what I can from that episode. But let's start off with the main topic that I had wanted to do and that I had originally done the previous episode on, which is specifically about AI. And during the time when I had shot that episode, we had that whole big drama with Sam Altman being fired and then rehired at uh, OpenAI. We're going to talk a little bit about the aftermath of that, go over now that we have some of the more details. We might be able to parse a little bit deeper into what happened. But I think AI is a very important and emerging technology, and I've been really wanting to talk about it sort of vis-a-vis a a lot of the other topics we talk about on the show. So without further ado, let's get right into it and let's start talking about AI. And when I came up with this particular uh, topic for this episode, I was going over my worldview and how I see things happening over the next uh, couple decades or so. And I've laid out this to you guys before, but it's good to go over exactly how I see the world, what I think is going to happen. And how can we adapt to that? And in the case that we're going to talk about right now, what are some things that I think can disrupt this process that I see unfolding before us? So the very core of my worldview and my belief is that effectively the revolution, quote-unquote, is coming. Whether you want it to or not, it is coming. But I've talked with a lot of people And they say, well, I'm more of a reformist kind of guy. I'm not really a revolutionary kind of guy like you. And I'm like, the point I want to stress is it's not like I want the revolution to happen. It's more me looking into the future and seeing that the status quo can't deal with a lot of the issues that are currently here and the ones that are going to be coming up in the future. The status quo is just not capable of dealing with them. And as a result, there is going to be a quote unquote revolution and specifically here. I talk about some sort of massive upheaval and societal and or governmental change. So there is going to be a massive change in the way the status quo of society is run. And I personally believe that will happen at the moment where capitalism no longer is able to achieve infinite growth. And this is a very classic Marxist critique of capitalism in and of itself, is that without infinite growth, Capitalism cannot sustain itself. And the reason capitalism needs infinite growth is because that growth is where your profit comes from. But in order to generate more and more of this profit, effectively what companies have to do is stimulate overconsumption. Because if people just bought the amount of food that they needed, the amount of electronics that they needed, the amount of uh, clothes that they needed, capitalism would effectively fall apart, right? The system needs to find ways in order to stimulate your consumption in order to keep that profit going. And that overconsumption obviously causes a lot of issues in our society, such as obesity for one. Things like environmental problems are obviously caused by huge overconsumption. Housing prices are caused by corporations overconsuming the land and freezing out the individual renter or buyer. Did you guys know that just China alone can cover for the entire world's consumption? No other country could produce anything, and China could cover the entire world's needs on its own if we weren't driven to such tendencies of overconsumption. So anyway, this process cannot go on forever. It was very close to falling apart in sort of the, 19, the 1980s, Reagan era, but sort of Reaganomics was able to inject a steroid into the capitalist system by doing things like giving capitalists access to the entire world's labor market, also driving up things like credit card debt and spending in order to keep that overconsumption going. And then, of course, by forcing women into the workplace as well, you then further increase the pool of available workers. And all of these factors have done wonders to keep the capitalist system shambling forward until our point that we are now because we are no longer living in a world where if you play by the rules if you do what your parents did if you do the same things if you know if you just work hard and keep your nose to the grindstone uh you will succeed no this is not the world we live in anymore because no matter how hard we grind we're not going to be able to uh, make up that infinite growth and the main reason why is going to be the demographic plunge that we are rapidly headed towards in the west without the number of young people to stimulate consumption and then obviously much more old people not producing anything or consuming much anymore that's going to create a huge economic shortfall and that is going to disrupt capitalism in a very big way and i think fundamentally and ultimately break apart the notion of infinite growth finally because i can't think of any more barrels that they can scrape to continue the wheels of consumption. They're running out of options. So once we hit this point of end of infinite growth, it's either going to completely revolutionize society or transform uh, capitalism as we know it into something completely different. For example, if you follow a guy like Peter Zion, his estimation of what will replace capitalism will be like a lesser cousin of capitalism. It'll be like a form of mercantilism where uh, capitalism, as we understand it, strives to keep as many interconnected markets together, goods flowing in between them, this new mercantilist system will have different closed markets all competing with one another, not interslicing their goods in between each other. And this will certainly be a massive change in the way things are dealt with now. So my major question then is, not if the revolution is gonna happen, but it's more what form is it going to take? Are we going to see some sort of socialist left-wing type of revolution? Are we going to see some sort of populist right-wing revolution? Or are we going to see something completely new? Something totally unforeseen within our own experience, a new form of government or way of interpreting the world that we cannot foresee? I have no idea. So anyway, I was examining this uh, thought process in my head and trying to figure out, like, what are some things that could actually disrupt it and potentially keep the capitalist system moving forward and shambling forward for a little while longer. And the only thing I can think of is an AI revolution. And the reason that this will save capitalism is because it will decouple production from consumption in a way that the human economy has never experienced previously. So what do I mean by this? Well, and and I should also be specific. When I talk about AI, I also mean AI plus automation, right? These two technologies working together. So the reason is if you remove the human element of production, then of course you no longer have to pay the humans, right? You no longer have to pay them for their labor. And then you have replaced them with some sort of theoretical machine that has infinite labor can never needs to sleep can always be producing but by taking humans out of that side of the equation then now you no longer have any reason to continually stimulate overconsumption. because you can just easily adjust the ai's labor output to whatever the consumption of the population is it's not like with humans right that if you want to downsize your business First off, there's no reason you do that unless you're in dire straits type of thing. Second off, even if you want to do that, now you have to remove employees and ruin their lives in the process. So it obviously ends up being a lot harder to do with humans versus where if you just had AI running your business or, or producing your product or whatever, you can effectively like twiddle the knob up and down to match whatever the current rate of consumption is which obviously it might be necessary if we no longer have humans able to work conventional jobs and gain conventional incomes and actually be able to purchase the goods produced. My point here is that it would completely change the equation, right? We'd have to rewrite the entire human economy to account for the fact that AI and automation is now a prevalent part of our lives. And this will obviously have some extreme growing pains in the short term, Although I think in the medium and long term, once we get through it, it will be, if we did have this AI revolution, once we got through it to the other end, it would be a vast improvement in all of our quality of lives. And this is part of the reason why I'm a big AI proponent. Obviously, I talk to a lot of people who are left-leaning, and they tend to be a lot more skeptical of AI, mainly worried about the potential to automate workers out of a job, out of um, various positions. And I obviously understand the sentiment and the fear. The thing is that I see in the future that once we push through these growing pains of uh, automating out a lot of jobs, uh, once we push through these growing pains, there is definitely a much better future on the other side of it. I remember when self-checkouts became a big thing and a lot of left-wing people talked to would be like, I'm not going to a self-checkout because it takes away A job from a real human being and my thinking was always this is not defending the revolution right this is not bringing about socialism is making sure everybody has a job bagging groceries right defending these kind of like low tier jobs that i would say automatically alienate you and exploit you anyway this is not part of the socialist revolution this is not part and parcel of bringing a a socialist system into reality and that's why if we Follow the chain of events, let's say, and we're going to go into this a little bit later in the episode, there's a lot of rumors and speculation that OpenAI has gotten the AGI, and that stands for Artificial General Intelligence. And as you guys probably know, that means AI that is indistinguishable, effectively, from human intelligence. So there is a theory, and there is speculation that OpenAI has already achieved this milestone. And let's just say we achieve it and it comes into fruition, we're going to enter a system, what I call AGI capitalism, which I discussed before, where the whole production and uh, consumption curve have to readjust everything to an AI-driven world. But the reason why I push for AI advancement so hard is what will happen after the AGI capitalism stage. This is where you actually get to what I would call Star Trek utopian socialism, right? Where you have a society where resources are infinite, there's no need for anybody to struggle to survive, to get food, to have a roof over their head, to have a quality of life that has high amounts of dignity. I believe that AGI will help push us into that sort of utopian era more than any other technology, except for maybe something like fusion energy or some sort of very advanced solar breakthrough, some sort of energy breakthrough. I think more than anything, those two technologies would drive us towards that kind of Star Trek utopian socialism. So that's why when people ask me as well as socialist as a left-wing guy, what is your feeling on automation? my feeling is always just let it happen because it's gonna suck in the short term but in the long term it's going to bring us a lot closer to that socialist vision to that socialist utopia than anything else out there. So there you go that kind of encapsulates my thoughts on AI and what brought me to think about this episode idea, which is again, things that can disrupt what I see as the flow of uh, events moving forward. So, without further ado, now I want to jump back a little bit. Let's go back in time and I want to talk about a lot of this shakeup and disruption at OpenAI. This is a company which I have been following very closely for quite some time. And I'd like to take some time to introduce you guys one of the people who has really helped me in following the saga of OpenAI, and not just that, but also helping me keep in contact with uh, various updates and enhancements and what's going on in the world of artificial intelligence. So I want to make a big shout out here to YouTuber David Andre, who has really been, again, pumping out a lot of great content, in my opinion, in regards to AI. I have been following his channel very closely, specifically when we had that whole blow up with open ai and he just did a lot of really great coverage and explanation of what was going on at the time i actually messaged this guy like weeks ago when i had finished my first rendition of this episode i'm like hey man really enjoy your channel i hope you don't mind i'm going to talk about your channel and what you do in my latest podcast and He's, like, yeah man that's super cool but then he then i just disappeared because i got sick for the last two weeks so i'm sure he's like wondering what the fuck is happening anyway Dave had a really good theory and a really good way of breaking down what was happening at OpenAI, something I think personally is certainly happening, or at least beneath the surface. So effectively, what his theory was is that within OpenAI there are two factions and there are two uh, different ways of seeing artificial intelligence develop. One is the, as he calls it, the AI doomers, These are the people who believe that AI has to be reined in, controlled, keep things safe around the edges so it doesn't evolve out of control and go all Skynet and shit. And then there is the, he doesn't really have a a term for them, so I'm calling them the AI enablers, which are the, I would definitely say my personal uh, viewpoint, which is hands off take off all the brakes. just let AI go hand wild and we'll see what happens. Personally, I, I just feel like a lot of the, you know, quote, unquote, AI doomers are, they're trying to put the genie back in the bottle at this point. They're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. As far as I'm concerned, right, we're over the line. We're past that line and trying to get, go backwards is a fool's errand. I remember when there was like that big, do you guys remember? I think this was like, what, six months ago where a bunch of people sent this letter to Sam Altman. It was, like, all these, like, experts, and not just, like, experts, like, people like Bill Nye and Elon Musk and, like, Jeff Bezos or whatever, signing this big letter to, like, OpenAI. It's, please slow down your AI development. And I'm, like, thinking, like, you bunch of fucking idiots. The only reason, particularly if you're a guy like Elon Musk or whatever, you would sign something like that is because you want them to slow down their development so your own ai models can catch up so yeah like i said we're all we're working past the point of no return there so we may as well just let it happen (laughs) lie down and let it happen whatever's gonna happen but i will tell you guys the one thing i do like about sam is that obviously i inherently dislike and trust him because he's a billionaire so there's that but putting that aside i do always like it when someone new kind of breaks into the silicon valley elite just a new man or woman coming in and just busting things up a little bit shaking up the foundations love that kind of shit and that to me is what sam does represent is a, at least a bit of a new blood and new thinking and new ideas injected into the old tired silicon valley thinking but before i move away from david here i do just want to do a quick shout out for one of his projects which i've used extensively which is he created this gbt architect which is just Well, Chef's Kiss. I love using this tool to develop my own GBTs, and I highly recommend it. If you guys are in that realm or interested in playing around with these guys here, I'll show you some of the guys that I've created. Obviously, I've I've created quite a few different little GBTs that all have different personalities and different problems (laughs) they can help me with. I've obviously got AI Karl Marx to help me with my Marxist theory. I've got Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Bender. I got Marcus Aurelius, the God Emperor of Mankind. Dale Gribble, Gordon Ramsay. You know what? Fuck it. I'll just put. I'll put a link to, and uh, I'll put a pin comment. I'll give you guys a link to Dave's or David. I don't know if he minds if I call him Dave. David's uh, GBT architect. I'll put a couple throw a couple of my own in there if you guys want to check him out. But I'll give you guys a little bit of something that I'm working on. I'm working not for, so much for the podcasts, but. For a lot of my gaming videos, I am working on integrating a lot of these personalities and GBTs into them, so hopefully that will bear fruit in the near future. But when it comes to Open AI as a company, one of the interesting things about Open AI, and this is part of the reason that kind of led to a lot of the uh, upheaval that we saw a couple of weeks ago is I'm sure most of you guys um, know, but it's worth reminding ourselves that Open AI is a nonprofit organization. And as a result, the board of a nonprofit organization has a different role than a for-profit one. So like for a non organization, the board's job is more geared towards ensuring that the mission statement or what have you, or the goal of this nonprofit organization is continually being met. And the tasks that we've outlined are continuing to be at least Maybe not achieved, but progress towards. Whereas for a regular board, their their main motivation is how are we going to make this company make more money. That's really all they care about. Whereas obviously with a nonprofit, they have different concerns that they are discussing. So let's break into the major speculation as to why the board tried to remove Sam Alman in the first place, and the speculation at the time was, or the, so the reason given at the time was that Sam wasn't being as forthright with the board as he should be, as we talked about, you have a different role as a nonprofit organization. The board has more leading in seat in removing you rather than right if you're the CEO of a regular company. the only reason the board's going to remove you is if you're not making money here, supposedly, Sam was not being forthright in terms of what he was uh, getting his teams to work on or research and most people speculate that whatever they were working on is this new type of AI, which they're just calling Q Star. So far, we really don't know much about it. All that they've really announced is like the name and some very vague details. But there is a lot of speculation that this Q Star, whatever it is, like the next iteration of AI, some people are even saying, like, this is the AGI. This is, it's here now. I'm not that. <laughs> optimistic quite yet i'll definitely hold my judgment for when we actually get our hands on this q star whatever the hell it is but q star does continue weeks later to be wrapped in a lot of mystery and we really don't know what it is or how it's going to impact us or what its functionality could consist of so yeah speculation is sam isn't telling the board about his research into this q star not telling them how powerful it is they find out and they get rid of him. So let me introduce you to one of the key players here. This fella here, Elias Xiever, was one of the key ousters in, or one of the key architects in Sam's ouster. I believe now he is no longer a member of the board. I think he was canned as a part of the counter coup in retaking the board, as, as Sam uh, demonstrated a couple days later. But this guy is... Apparently one of the really big AI doomers, quote unquote, supposedly he has like, he's kind of like a little, like a little weird. He apparently has a AI effigy or something like that. He created in his office. And then, uh, this was supposed to represent the AI, an AI effigy that had turned against mankind or something like that, or decided to turn against us. And uh, then he like burned it in his office or something like that. So a weird dude, uh, from all accounts and... My thinking is that he was one of the big uh, architects because he was worried again that whatever that Sam had been working on had become too powerful or too close to AGI and thus compromised the board's goal and ended up getting rid of him or attempting to get rid of him. So there we have it. We have the saga of open AI, at least as far as we know, that's the best explanation for what happened, that Sam was not being forthright in some of the capabilities of his latest research projects. So he ended up getting fired, which obviously didn't end well. One of the things we forgot to mention is Microsoft stepping in basically and being like, what the hell are you guys doing? You got to keep Sam where he is because for whatever you think about the guy, the one thing the dude can do is raise money. That guy can raise money like there's no tomorrow. And Microsoft itself is a very big investor into OpenAI. It's one of their top partners so obviously they have a lot of skin in the game and they want to make sure that their investments don't implode on themselves so we're going to keep this as a shorter episode today mainly because i'm still covering a little bit so i don't think i have the gas in the tank to go much longer that being said i'll probably get another episode out this week which will cover a lot more of the current events that have happened in the last little bit unfortunately i don't have a lot of material prepared So I'm going to have to take her, so I'm going to just take a day to probably bring that all together and then whip up something on Thursday. Unfortunately, I have not been keeping up with current events as much as I would have liked while I was six. So I didn't get the opportunity to jot down a lot of the bullet points that I like to before, before we get to the real actual details of something that we're talking about. This episode was mainly based upon materials that I'd already prepared, right? In any case, I do want to end our episode today with something that we haven't done in a while, which is a feel-good story. I always like to, when I find some sort of crazy science story or something like that, to share it with you guys at the end of the podcast. And I found this one today, and I thought, perfect. This is super interesting. Cracked piece of metal heals itself an experiment that stuns the scientists. This is from Science Alert. File this under that's not supposed to happen, scientists observed a metal healing itself, something never seen before. If this process can be fully understood and controlled, we could be at the start of a whole new era of engineering. In a study published in July, a team from Sanita National Laboratories and Texas A&M University was testing the resilience of the metal using a specialized transmission electron microscope. Technique to pull at the ends of the metal twenty times every second. They then observed the self-healing at ultra small scales in a forty nanometer thick piece of platinum suspended in a vacuum. Cracks caused by the kind of strain described above are known as fatigue damage. Repeated stress and motion that causes microscopic breaks causes the machines the machines or structures to break. Amazingly, after about 40 minutes of observation, the crack in the platinum started to fuse back together and mend itself before starting again in a different direction. Okay, I see, look at this. So the crack healed itself here, right? You can see that they're pulling at the ends of the metal. A a new crack formed along the side here, but the one here in the center apparently was able to heal itself, which is pretty wild. This is something from that reminds me of like something Toph from Avatar would do, right? Mend metal and bring it back together. It was absolutely stunning to watch firsthand. Oh, I already said that. Said Brad Boyce. We certainly weren't looking for it. What we have confirmed is that the metals have their own intrinsic natural ability to heal themselves, at least in the case of fatigue damage that happens at a nanoscale. These are exact conditions, and we don't know exactly what is happening, or how we can use it. However, if you think about the costs and effort and required from repairing everything from bridges to engines and phones, there's no telling how much difference self-healing metals could make. While the observation is unprecedented, it is not wholly unexpected. In 2013, Texas A&M materials scientist Doug Demowski worked on a study predicting this kind of nanocrack healing could happen driven by the tiny crystalline grains inside the metals, essentially shifting their boundaries in response to stress. Domotsky also worked on his latest study using upgraded computer models to show that his decade-old theories about self-healing behavior at a nanoscale matched what was happening here. The automatic mending process happened at room temperature is another promising aspect of the research. Metal usually requires lots of heat to shift form. But the experiment was carried out in a vacuum, but it remains to see whether or not the same process will happen to conventional metals in a typical environment. A possible explanation involves a process known as cold welding, which occurs under ambient temperatures whenever metal surfaces come close enough together for their respective atoms to tangle together. Typically, thin layers of air or contaminants will interfere with the process in environments like the vacuum of space pure metals can be forced close enough to literally stick together. My hope is that this finding will encourage material researchers to consider that under the right circumstances, materials can do things that we never expected. So there you go. Again, really cool and interesting story here. The idea that at least at small levels that you can have metal somehow be able to repair itself. I keep thinking of something like, Battlestar Galactica or something like that where you're in a ship and the ship effectively can heal itself the the metal around the ship the hull can heal itself somehow over time because they mentioned that this happens in a vacuum so it makes me think like maybe we can create self-healing spaceships or at least ships that can repair themselves from that kind of small-scale fatigue damage which is obviously Going to take its toll on anything over a long period of time. But if you could mitigate that effectively, you can eliminate the need for any type of maintenance, which would be incredible. Anyway, just a fascinating little tidbit I thought I'd leave you guys with. And with that, that will bring us to the end of this show for now. I know it was a little bit shorter, like I said, hoping to get another one out this week, but I won't promise anything. But yeah, just trying to get back on that horse, trying to get back at the normal kind of grind set getting videos and shows out every week. Unfortunately, that, fuck, that sickness, guys, man, oh, it took a lot out of me. And I'm just happy to be feeling relatively normal, right? Just happy to be 70% normal because I'm, I'm sure you guys know, like when you're sick, you miss just feeling normal so much. You miss just being able to do basic things without being in constant pain and torment. There are some people, I think, that kind of prefer to be the sick person then there are some people that prefer to be the the person helping out the sick person. I always prefer to be the the person helping out. I don't want to be the sick person ever. I hate feeling non-functional like I can't do all the things that I normally can do. Anyway, with that, I want to thank you guys for watching. This has been The Comrade signing off for now. Until next time, you guys take care.